It is Wednesday, June 16th, and it's time for Steve Sachs Interim. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. We're in the thick of June. Things are hot outside, very hot. Um, I, my Midwestern friends um, are melting with heat, um, but it means that it's plenty hot for sports. Um, yeah. So we've got it. We've got it all covered here on Steve Sachs Syndrome. It's a time that allows me to say one of my favorite phrases: "Quick, somebody get a towel." <laughs> so does this mean in a couple of weeks the sports that we'll be covering will be? I went to the lake and I jumped in, and it was awesome. I did a great cannonball. And we'll be like, yay, sports. We will. Although I did go to the lake this weekend and, and jumped in. Um, nice. Although it was cold, so it was a little different. Yeah, it was it, it was still, uh, we were reminded that the NHL playoffs are still going. Yeah, that's, the, that's always the thing where um, it is too hot to even breathe in states like Minnesota and Iowa, but there's probably still hockey being played there which just means we have a cognitive dissonance um, with sports. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, we got a lot to talk about. We are lucky. We will have Johnny Wangren, uh, assistant coach from the Asheville City Soccer Club, and uh, uh, he heads up the academy there. So we'll be talking to him later on the show. Excited to have him back as we were supposed to talk to him in mid-March of last year yeah. um, to sort of preview their upcoming season. And they had like a special event. Um, so we'll sort of pick it up from there. But uh, always excited to talk to him. And we'll uh, also talk larger picture of all the soccer that's going on uh, in, in the world right now. Um, but we start with the NBA playoffs, which are, they're, they're happening. And yeah. uh, uh, storylines are quickly changing. I feel like yeah. when we talked at this time last week, we sort of apologized because we re-ran the uh, right. interview. Um uh, with, with Patrick the, Gladys, yeah. Who's a Milwaukee Bucks fan. We're like, yeah, some of this is dated. As, he's a little positive because uh, yeah. they had gone down 0-2 to the Nets, particularly game two. They were just thwumped. Um, yeah. But the silliness of the media, I mean, I know, you know, cliches are stupid, but like until, it, you know, uh, a home team loses a game really doesn't mean anything. Like, well, what does that even mean? It's like, it means exactly this, which is, yeah, yeah. they went back home. They regrouped. They decided to play a much more physical style. They were able to squeak out a victory, really kind of coming back late in game three, and then we're the better team in game four. Now Kyrie is hurt. Harden and Kyrie will be out for game five. And now it's looking like um, we should all overreact and pronounce the Nets completely dead and break up that team instead. Yeah, it it is. It's, it's all over the place. And, you know, usually with um, sports, um, with playoffs, it's really usually a tale of attrition, um, but I think it's especially so in the NBA. Uh, I did want to, um, yeah, so I saw this, that it's not really a coincidence that the four teams that really last the longest in the bubble last year, Lakers, Nuggets, Celtics, Heat, are pretty disappointing in this current postseason. Yeah. You know, we had an abbreviated off season. I think there was like maybe three weeks, two and a half weeks before <laughs> the season started again. And so we're just seeing um, injuries catch up. We're just seeing some, just some weirdness happening. So yeah, I, I think there is that, um, that sort of overrating of the storylines um, with the, yeah, like, okay, like, 
Pat Riley's old thing of like, it's not a series until a team wins a, wins a game on the road in the playoffs in a playoff series. But I think with the Nets, we're, we're seeing some injuries catch up. Uh, I, you know, they have you know, three very impressive stars who play together. Uh, and when they have two of them, they're still pretty unstoppable when it comes down to one, even if it is Kevin Durant, who's very, very, very good. That, that's, that's a lot of load to carry for the Nets. Uh, sports analysts were saying, all right, Kevin Durant, you wanted to be LeBron James. Here's your chance. Yeah. Here's your chance to single-handedly lead a team, at least to the finals. If, you know, um, if not uh, win at all, all he really has to do is, I mean, even if they go down three, two, and one of them comes back, there's no reason they couldn't win games six and seven. Sure. But uh, if he can go and sort of single-handedly, although there's, you know, Joe Harris and others, there's some, uh, good supporting players on that Solid team. players. Yeah. But if he can go and kind of single-handedly win game five, that, that will remind us of how great he is. He's very good. What I really like about this, I mean, there are only seven teams left um, with the Nuggets um, getting swept um, by the Phoenix Utah Suns. In Phoenix Suns, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we're, we're going to have some new narratives here. Yeah. So, out of these last teams that are here, um, so I was looking at the current eight. So the last team out of the current eight that made the finals was the Nets in 2003. And among the Western Conference team, it's the Jazz in 1998. And the last team out of all of these, uh, out of all of these franchises to win the championship was the 76ers in 1983. So we're really going to get like a, a new kind of thing. And especially, um, you know, let's, let's say that, uh, you know, I, I, I know we don't want to um, prognosticate, but yeah, if the Nets don't uh, make it, you know, there are going to be some, some new players that haven't had a chance to win mm-hmm. um, sort of be the sort of main storyline. Uh, it's actually pretty exciting. I, I like it when that happens. It is. And, and it's been, uh, entertaining basketball yeah the phoenix suns have just played great chris paul has oh, been yeah. fantastic um setting records things that players over the age of 35 have never done before uh yeah. and so but they're just yeah they're just an entertaining style and uh, the sixers when they play well certainly are very entertaining very physical very lots of lobs and dunks and stuff so, yeah it's it's fun to watch yeah, a reminder that we are recording um, on Monday night, um, yeah. so things are are going to happen between now and the time that this airs. Currently, the Sixers are beating up on the Hawks again. Um, I, you know, as someone who was sort of rooting for the Knicks coming into this postseason, you know, and Trey Young and company had a little bit of attitude going into the Mad- Madison Square Garden, which was um fun to see it it is kind of fun to now see the sixers being like oh yeah you had your fun with the knicks um you're not nearly as good as we are um so uh that uh, that's been sort of pretty satisfying to watch as a i I also enjoy the work of joel Embiid and ben simmons as well so uh, i'm looking to forward to see how that team progresses the only series we haven't talked about is the the utah jazz and the la clippers yeah Again, the Clippers. They're just, yeah. uh, I mean, I will just say the uh, Jazz, it's it's nice to have someone who's comfortable scoring 
45 points a game. Yeah, right. With Donovan Mitchell. So, that, you know, there was like, yeah, the Clippers looked really good at the first half of the of game one. And then Donovan Mitchell sort of was like, oh, wait, I can do this. And sort yeah. of carried that over. But, you know, same thing. Everyone then be like, goodbye, Clippers. Didn't yeah. work. Sorry. And then game three, it's like, no, Kawhi was Kawhi. And then Paul George finally had an impressive game where you're like, oh, you yeah. can hit that three-point shot that you like to hurry up right. and take in some other games. So you're like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, and so I'm really curious like- to see how that plays out. I, I, I do, I do not uh, claim that I can uh, definitely guarantee who's going to win that s- series. Yeah, and you know the Clippers um, with their backs against the wall, um, being down 0-2 against the Mavericks. You know, we're at the the same thing as you said with the Jazz, and it does sort of like give them that sort of like kick in the pants that's needed to sort of get them going, and mm-hmm. you're kind of like guys, you're in the NBA playoffs. Like, how about like doing this in games one and two? It, it's really funny. I, you know, the Clippers are a perpetual underdog. I mean, they're kind of the equivalent of the Chicago Cubs used to be, or the Red Sox yep. used to be um, in the NBA, but they still have a sort of front runner status to them because of like Kawhi going there and saying like Paul George will be coming with me Mm -hmm. and so there is this kind of like presumptive nature of them but I'm just like yeah why aren't I rooting for the Clippers like in the past I'd be like come on you can do it you Mm -hmm. know but I'm kind of like I don't know guys come on you 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 sure need an awful lot of motivation just to win a couple games there is a psychology term called compassion fatigue Ooh, I like it. And you're just like, you know what? I just feel like I've sort of been there for you and sort of talked you through this. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of done. Can, can't you just process this on your own? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that compassion fatigue. Uh, I, we need to bring that in with sports more often. <laughs> um, I think that that's a really good. I'm sure it's like a be- behavioral psychology term or something like that. But yeah, it, it works really well with... Um, I don't know who's always a, a sports figure. Maybe it's Chris Paul. You know, it's like Chris Paul. You you do this every year. Like, right. come on, just go ahead and do this. But I am, um, you know, he is a Wake Forest grad. I like Chris Paul a lot. You know, there've been he's been one of the best point guards in NBA history, if not the best. Um, but there have been uh, many playoff games where he comes up short or. Yeah. Um, or bad luck strikes him, um, you know, or sometimes a combination of both. So I, I would like the stars for a line to Chris Paul to um, to get an NBA championship. I'd be okay with that. Maybe you with compassion fatigue are like, all right, Chris Paul, I'll believe it when I see it. Now, again, uh, once he, uh, you know, became an old guy, I, everything i might have uh, held against him before i'm like you're one of us <laughs> uh but yeah people are a little too quick to to reverse the the storyline it's like no yeah. chris ball has made it to a conference finals before and actually yeah. made it deep into that and and they were seemed like they might have won if he didn't get hurt so yeah um just let let's you know wait to sort of lift the curse or whatever until he actually reaches the finals and hopefully plays well yeah i i I like him a lot um yeah he he ended his career at wake forest um unfortunately let's say um 
And it always left a, a minor, uh, a little bit of a bad taste in our mouths uh, as Wake fans, but we still claim him. He's not Tim Duncan. He, Timmy D is always um, going to be number one. But sure. uh, yeah, Chris Paul is, is still somebody worthy of rooting for. All right. Yes. Well, we teased it earlier, but we're very excited to welcome back to the show uh, Johnny Wangren, who is assistant coach at the uh, Asheville City Soccer Club for the men's team. And he also heads up uh, their academy. Um, so, Johnny, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, uh, what, two years now. So uh, exciting. A little, yes. little crazy uh, to be back, but excited for it, for sure. Yes, it's uh, particularly satisfying for us to have you on because, yeah, you were lined up to come on in late March. I think we were going to talk to you maybe March 16th or 18th or right around there. And obviously that didn't happen. So we've been sort of wanting to go ahead and circle back and have you on. Um, And we'll start. And I've got all my questions for March. So (laughs) tell us about what's going to happen in April of 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Everybody's going to forget how to throw to second. And. now en- enjoy your outdoor space if you've got it, and uh, we'll see you next year. So. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, we didn't want to spend too much time, but uh, so, yeah, what, what, what was that like to sort of be uh, um, the perch of a season and then sort of have to shift, and then how did that inform how you guys got ready for this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, last year, um, you know, that, that call from our owners to, to Mick Giordano, our head coach, and myself, um, as far as the first team in academy and obviously to our women's teams, um, you know, a- absolutely the right call for them to make. They made it quite honestly earlier than they needed to. And, yep. and um, you know, really um, ahead of the curve on, on that awareness of what was going on and, and what they needed to do with, um, you know, taking into consideration that we, you know, rely heavily and we're a community oriented club that relies heavily on community support and, you know, especially our sponsors. And, um, you know, with that, you know, obviously the safety and well-being of everybody involved as well, but, um, you know, for them to have the foresight to kind of pull the plug on it early, you know, was devastating as a coach and yeah. players and everything. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, it, it couldn't have been obviously more, more right. And, you know, couldn't have been better timing to, pull it when we did rather than to, you know, continue down the rabbit hole just to, to mix it later. So, um, you know, devastating as a coach and, and as players, you know, especially for our women's and men's teams, we were going into what we felt was going to be our best years um, with, you know, rosters that we had had and, you know, continuing with our, with our pathway and, and Memorial stadium and having our academies go on for the second year and everything. Um, but, you know, everybody's had to learn how to pivot and change and be resilient through it. So, um, you know, what doesn't kill you. So we're here, um, you know, and that's kind of the mindset we've had through this whole thing is, um, but it's been wild because we've, you know, technically been prepping for this year for two years. So, yeah. um, you know, to, to have a, I forget what the exact number was, but it, I mean, about 22 month hiatus before we played our first game, I think it was wow. somewhere in the 600 as far as days between games it was pretty wild. So, yeah. Um, it's great to be back, um, you know, obviously in a different setting at Greenwood, but UNCA has been great hosts for us this summer so far. And, um, you know, just been exciting to, to get it going again. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about um, that shift um, from Memorial Stadium. Um, it feels like that's sort of the, like the biggest external change that you guys have had uh, moving into the 2021 season. 
Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that decision if you're able to, you know, it, it, was that something with the city or was the sort of environment at UNC Asheville, was that just better to coordinate? What went into that decision? That's definitely more of, you know, what the owners have dealt with as far as okay. kind of what that looked like. I think there were some issues um, maybe with what the lease might look like given kind of the COVID protocols and everything. Um, and I don't think it was something that they um, necessarily wanted to do, but, you know, hopefully, you know, the time away from it also gives the ability to hopefully have it resurfaced and changed for the, with some of the bond referendum stuff that they're exploring. So, um, but no, UNCA has been a great pivot and alternative for us. Um, you know, obviously Mick Giordano, our head coach, was just recently named uh, the full head coach after being interim this last year. Uh, it's been a great venue for us, obviously limited, but, you know, very intimate setting, you know, playing on grass surface is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's been great so far. It's uh, different, but great. And hoping it's just a, you know, a little bit of a change, but, um, but it's been phenomenal so far for us. Gotcha. Don't mean to then bring up uh, the exception, but uh Tell us a little bit. You, you had to suspend a game uh, due to some field conditions uh, in your in your last match. What what was that about? If if you can talk comfortably about that. Yeah, sure. No, I mean it's uh you know we had a lightning delay for you know mm-hmm. over an hour and a half, um, kept us off the field, and then you know a pretty typical Asheville, you know five, ten, fifteen minute downpour, and then followed by another and more lightning. And um, you know when we went to go walk out the field with the referees. Um, you know, a lot of discussion as far as the safety of the fields and everything, um, you know, referees were, you know, looking at it, deeming it unsafe sort of thing as far as resuming. Then, you know, I, I think there was some intervention with UNC Asheville as well as far as everything. So, um, you know, one of those things where, you know, in the moment we thought it was done deal based on the USL league rules, you know, you get to halftime if it's deemed unplayable, you know, it stands, but, you know, is what it is. We'll look into finish the last 45 another day and you know just chalk it up to another wild and crazy summer in usl <laughs> you know league two so uh it is what it is we, we roll with it but yeah definitely uh definitely a, i think it's a first in my my coaching career that we've suspended a, a half that we have to go make up later but oh, wow. um you know it, it it happens and we'll deal with it We're, we'll take a one nil lead and hopefully grind out that second half maybe add a couple to it and get out of there so. i'm sure the uh... Asheville tourists have little sympathy as they are constantly dealing with the yeah. rainouts. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, just as someone who, yeah, I, I teach, you know, performing arts classes and people are like, why don't you just move them outside? And you're like, it is Asheville. You do realize yeah. that, you know, yeah. you'll just be refunding two thirds of your classes because of how much it rains right about six 30, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to hear that it was weather. I didn't know if it was something related to the field itself, but no, it was, it was the environment, not, not the field. So correct. Yeah, it was, it was weather. It was wild. So, um, you know, we'll move on. It is what it is. We'll hopefully finish that half and finish it with three points in the bag still you are up one nothing and just stay with that so yeah you you had a whole bunch of months to get ready but uh it seems to have worked so well the men's team is definitely off to a good start we're talking you know just just seen a lot of wins come up i'm not sure about the quality of the teams that you're playing right now but uh, you're winning and then with the women's team just getting started up uh, with a victory as well so um uh, what you know were there many changes or was it just basically let's take what we had at the you know early last year and let's just um really really let it roll this season 
No, I mean, the, the, we've had a lot of changes. I mean, in this type of environment, in this type of league, we have a lot of ro- turnover with players. Um, you know, last year, the roster we had was, um, you know, quite honestly, one of the best we've ever put together. Had mm-hmm. several several of those players go on and get drafted in the MLS or play in, you know, the full-on professional leagues with contracts now. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a summer semi-professional scouting league. So, you know, our job is to make sure, you know, we're going to always naturally have turnover. So, um, yeah, there, there have been changes. We have, we have several returning players, a lot of quality that are returning that have been here for, for years. Um, but new faces as well that are making great impacts. So, you know, for us, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we always kind of have to turn the page each summer and, and reevaluate and check, you know, kind of where the roster sits and what we need. And, um, but no, it's been a great start, you know, got off to a, to a little bit of a, of a rough patch with two losses on the road and then kind of got home and got ourselves settled and have kind of found our groove a little bit, but uh, no, the competition, I mean, USL league two deep South conference, one of the best in the country. Um, you know, we have a lot of great competition, a lot of, a lot of players that'll go on and do big things at the next level. So um you know, it's, it's been a great start for us. We're fortunate to have gotten off to it and hopefully we can keep things rolling um, here in Charlotte and, and uh, in Atlanta over the weekend. So um, since you said that you assembled the best team you've had last year, why don't we just go ahead and mark down the championship then for 2020? We'll just, we'll just take it. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. I mean, you, know, you said be. it, you said it, not me. So, okay. Yeah, that, that sounds we we've agreed here on yeah. the show. Yeah, um, I'm so, sure the other uh, clubs would have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah, no problems at all. I can safely say it was a championship caliber roster. There now, you go. You got to you got to go play, but <laughs> no, it was it was it was up there. But you know, like I said, every summer's different. This one's coming together differently. But great group of guys. You know, really hardworking guys. Um, really buying into the community. Uh, several staying with host families this year, and that's been such a phenomenal. Uh, impact on not only, you know, our, our, some of our academy players they're hosting and now they get a first, you know, first look insight as to what the next level looks like. Um, but really just, you know, goes to show kind of the character of the players that we're bringing into the community and what kind of effect they can have on it. Yeah. And shifting over to the women's side, uh, you know, when Asheville city soccer club unveiled uh, the women's team performed better than, than the men uh, originally Um and um, I, so you said that there was, um, you know, we've got the season that's uh, just just only kicked off, but uh, really uh, a really good accomplishment off the field for the women's team that you shared right before we went on air. Yeah, you know, um, they've gotten off to a great start, two and zero, both home wins. Um, you know, a lot of you know a lot of returning faces as well. Um, Carolyn Warhoff digs off to her inaugural season that was supposed to be last summer, so. Great for her to, to be back here in Asheville um, coaching on, with the first team. And I was talking with Stacey Enos the other day at one of the, their training sessions. And, you know, she shared with me that this is probably the first and, and maybe the only time that a lot of these uh, female athletes have been coached by a, a, an all-female staff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, really just such a great accomplishment for them. You know, the, the initiative that they're trying to fight with the equality and everything um, and for the banner program that they are in the women's game, um, to be able to, to do that is just pretty, pretty remarkable and speaks volumes to what the club's trying to do, um, as well as to, you know, what Asheville is kind of all about. So, um, you know, us being, again, a community-centered and focused club, it's really great when things like that really come to fruition and 
Um, you know, and they're again off to a great start, two and zero. Their last one got rained out before they started, not mm. at halftime. But uh, fortunately, they didn't get on the bus to, to um, Columbia before that happened. But uh, now they're off to a great start, and we're expecting great things for them. All right, we are back here on Steve Sachs Syndrome talking about Asheville City Soccer Club. And uh, Johnny, we did want to talk to you. You said you are um, in charge of the academy um, for Asheville City Soccer Club. And I know you have a background with with Christ School, um, you know, working with um, high schoolers and younger. Um, So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that academy program. I I saw especially that it's a a no pay to play program, which is, you know, I think really important for the development of, um, you know, soccer here in the United States. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, you know, we started it two summers ago. Um, Last summer was supposed to be our second. This is technically our third. Um, We have a, a, a boys and a girls academy. The boys academy is for uh, high school age players, 15U to 19U. Girls is uh, a slightly different, 13U to 17U. So it starts a little bit younger. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, free to play. It's been such a great initiative to to allow for players to be able to get summer programming um, without the barrier of cost or the, or the added burden of cost for families or players. You know, they're really just, you know, their their dedication to it and their commitment to it. Um, is enough and and it it allows for us to really get to the heart of what they want to do and that's hopefully push on and play for our first team and go on to play at the next level whether that's collegiately professionally whatever that may look like Um, one great thing that's that's happened this summer is um, our just play initiative which was our our community outreach initiative um, has branched off to a 501c3 not-for-profit that is now overseeing the community involvement as well as the academy so um, you know, we've, because of that no play, no pay to play and now being a 501c3, we really see the ability for it to really take off and, and change the way that, you know, youth soccer is looked at and, um, and entered into for our, our local youth, um, to try to get into communities where the game's not as prevalent, um, where there's, you know, maybe some underserved communities as, as it relates to soccer and trying to eliminate those socioeconomic barriers that prevent so many of our young American players um, to get in. And, you know, really the toughest part with soccer is that it's a game of mastery mm-hmm. and, you know, getting in later, even if it's with your middle school or high school program, you know, sometimes is too late um, just because it takes, you know, it's one of those sports that takes the 10,000 hours of, of ball mastery. And um, so trying to get kids involved younger and then giving them a realistic pathway toward what it could look like to play for a youth academy and then hopefully for the first team or, or to see that there's a viable pathway. Um, but, you know, the Just Play WNC initiative for it going, you know, to a not-for-profit and overseeing this is, is going to be big time for, for the entire program moving forward. And, um, you know, that being announced a couple of weeks ago and really starting to gain traction is amazing. And started our academy programming a couple of weeks ago and it'll run through the summer kind of congruent with the first teams. Um, you know, it's been such a privilege to be a part of it and to, to help having get it started and, and to see where it's at now is and where it's moving toward is, is just incredible to see so many young players now. I think we have five, five first teamers that are academy grads nice. uh, from two summers ago. So, um, you know, it's, to, to see that pathway really come into fruition and that players on the field are, are truly benefiting from it and being able to grow within our club is, is you know, 
it's why I do what I do. So it's very cool. And uh, just to circle back, uh, if folks are interested in coming out to uh, see games, um, what is the schedule? How frequently are games being played in Asheville, and what nights do they tend to fall on? Sure, we have um, we've got a, both teams have a couple of away games coming up, but um, Saturday, June twelfth, um, the uh, or sorry, that was this past weekend. Saturday, June nineteenth, uh, the the women play Charlotte Eagles. Uh, Tuesday, June twenty second, we play East Atlanta FC. Uh, Saturday, June 26th, the women will play South Carolina United Bantams. And then we have a couple more home games in July. So uh, really, you know, once a week over the next four or five weeks, we've got home games here for people to come enjoy the finest beverages, food and soccer you can find in Western North Carolina. Great. So, And if people wanted to find out more about upcoming games in the Academy, uh, where can they go to find out about that? Uh, they can go to AshevilleCitySC.com. Uh, they can click on our men's and women's links, as well as our academy links. Uh, if they want to try to support any of the academy just play initiatives, there's there's ways for them to do that as well. So everything's located at our website, AshevilleCitySC.com, uh, as well as our social media feeds on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything that is out there nowadays that I'm not a part of. Uh, Outstanding. Well, we're really happy to talk to you about all things that are Asheville city soccer club, but we also want to just check in with you about the world of soccer, something we enjoy talking about on this show. And there's a a lot of different pockets of soccer to pay attention to right now. Um, Scott, are are you able to watch any of the, the euros uh, going on? Oh yeah. It's uh, it's the kind of thing that can, happen in the background while I'm working. We don't need to share it with my employer necessarily, but it can, it, I can make it work. I can multitask. Um, but yeah, so that's a, that's a perfect thing. Um, so um, Johnny, I, I'm guessing like you don't have to sell that to your employer. Like this is, this is part of the gig, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of English boys on our, on our first team and we, we uh, definitely gave them Sunday morning off because yeah. we would have not heard the end of it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, you know, the Euros are incredible. Um, you know, anytime there's, there's world football going on, especially at major competitions, it's, it's a joy to watch. Um, you know, some great young players that are representing their countries at the, at the highest level, you know, always really interesting to see the clubs that make a ton of money off of the, off of their players playing and having great performances. So, you know, it's always such a unique situation when you get to see them go play for their home countries and, right. and the impact it has around the world, you know, with clubs, but um, no, I mean, obviously the other day, I mean, Christian Erickson, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't talk about the euros right now without bringing it up. I mean, just such a, you know, went from, you know, one of the most tragic and unexpected things you've ever seen on a field to, you know, in, in hindsight now, you know, such a heroic and unbelievable response to it. Um, you know, just obviously thoughts and prayers with him and his family and just so thankful that it didn't end up as bad as it could have. Yeah. Um, but really just a scary sight. I was watching it, you know, kind of we're getting ready for our game that day and figured that morning I'd watch some euros with my coffee and, you know, make some notes for our game. And all of a sudden I'm watching it and our coaching staff kind of text chain is blowing up and we're all kind of trying to figure out what the heck was going on. But man, um, you know, it's, it, you're so thankful in moments like that. And there's, you know, great doctors and great medical staff and good response times and, you know, AEDs, obviously, you know, 
fact that they're around available so much now, even at public parks and things like that, you know, you're so thankful for it because I mean, clearly I mean, just save somebody's life on, you know, world television for everybody to see. And hopefully it continues to bring awareness to those things of being able to allow for more of those things to be readily available um, because, you know, that's a 29 year old peak physical condition person that's getting heart scans. I mean, probably 50 times in the last year so it's it's unreal but uh thankfully he's okay but you know aside from that you know euros unbelievable some great games so far uh obviously some of the best players in in in, the best players in europe some of the best players in the world competing uh for their home countries is always a a blast and then if you get bored they go ahead and stage the Copa America at the same time. So like, oh, I'll just watch Brazil and Venezuela while I'm at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for um, sure. Just very quickly, if anyone is interested, so this was a, a Saturday game and Christian Eriksen plays for what national team? Denmark. Uh, Den- Denmark, yeah. Right. Um, again, he's just literally sort of like, you know, circling back from a corner, kind of coming up. And I think he's kind of gets like a throw in and it just sort of like hits him in the arms as he sort of just flops forward. And um, so as we learned later, you know, the doctor said he was gone. I thought he slipped. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, had oh, a cardiac for arrest. Sure. Yeah, he was gone. for, you know, compressions on the chest and the defibrillator and all that kind of stuff. A hooray for mm-hmm. um, people immediately kind of going, no, 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 come here right now. Um, this is not your typical uh, fatigue dehydration moment. Um, but yeah, it was very scary. And then um, nice that uh, the goal was scored later. Um, Kaku. Yeah. yeah. And he sort of came up to the camera and dedicated it to him and just, yeah, all, all the response that went out. And then, yeah, just to see the text being like, Hey, I'm all right. Thanks everybody. Yeah. It's really nice that that's how that story went and not like, do we even stage this anymore if he does not, you know, recover? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. uh, wow. Uh, so yeah, is, is there anything, you know, sorry to sort of make it serious, but is there any kind of extra, I, I'm not claiming this had anything to do with COVID. I have, I'm not making it, but just as you return, is there sort of an extra eye from the medical care of the team of like, seriously, guys, anything that feels weird, please mention it. Yeah, I think, you know, that you always have those conversations, but, you know, especially with young peak physical condition athletes that, you know, you have to, but you do have kind of the Superman complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think if, if nothing else, it just makes it a little bit more of a reality that this can happen to anybody and, and, you know, kind of that, yeah, seriously, guys, if anything's bothering you, let us know. And, you know, as a coach, you're all, you know, if you're, well, your job is to go win games. It's also to make sure people are safe and healthy and everything. So, um, you know, that's always at the forefront and seeing something like this obviously makes it, you know, just brings more awareness to it. And obviously, you know, thankfully it, it wasn't so tragic that, you know, we're able to look back on it and, and reflect, you know, somewhat positively on it that we can learn from it. Not that we couldn't have learned from it the other way, but it mm-hmm. just would have been a, a horrific way to learn from it. So uh, yeah, you know, any, anything like that, if, I think it just makes it a little bit more real for, for young athletes that this can happen to anybody. And, you know, it doesn't matter how, how many doctors clear you and everything. It's, it's, you know, the human body's un, unexplainable sometimes yeah. and yeah. unexpected things can happen at any moment. So you know, if, if nothing else, it, it, it also shows you just kind of cherish every moment you got because you never know when, when you know, the, the next injury or, or crazy fluky thing is going to take you off the field or, or, you know, even just in life in general. So, right. you know, it's always nice to kind of find parallels between 
sport in life. And I don't know if I've ever seen a more, a more realistic one than that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Johnny, I wanted to ask you a quick question uh, before we let you go. Um, so you mentioned the sort of unique nature of seeing these players, you know, get to play for their country as opposed to the club team. It kind of feels like a sort of crossover episode or like a mashup of music or something like that. Yeah. So is there a particular match or particular player that you're looking forward to seeing? I, I know the sort of France-Germany game, which will be airing on Tuesday. Um, you know, that's a sort of historic rivalry, both on and off the field. But uh, anything that you're particularly looking forward to? France-Germany, you know, unbelievable. I mean, two of the best teams in the world, obviously. France, you know, one of the best assembled rosters I've seen in a long, long time. Um, England, Scotland is going to be unreal yeah. just because they rarely get to play. Uh, I mean, it's going to engulf the entire UK, obviously most, most, if not all of the world for a day. So I think that one's going to be amazing. And then, you know, like I said, just really appreciating these guys going out and competing for their countries. You just see a little bit of a, they, they care and love the clubs they play for. Obviously that's where they live most of the time and everything, but you know, to go anytime you get to represent your country on the, on the world stage is just, unbelievable um and on that note obviously you know aside from just the euros you know u.s coming off of a big big win beating mexico in a final in a nations league final and showing a lot of grit and determination goalkeeper coming down another one coming in making big saves having a response goal to make it 2-2 late um you know i i'd be i don't i'm i'm no expert and it's not my call but i'd be shocked if we don't see weston mckinney wearing the captain's band before his career is done that guy is just i mean it's unbelievable how much passion and energy he plays with when he especially when he plays with us but you know obviously on the stage with juventus but man when he puts on it on the stripes it's it's fun to watch so um really excited to see where they're going as well a lot of good young new faces coming in um you know i think i think missing the world cup in hindsight might've been the greatest thing that ever happened to, to us soccer. Cause it, it kind of ripped a bandaid off and showed us that we still had work to do, but you're seeing a lot of those guys play with just an unbelievable amount of passion and so many young aspiring new players coming up and through. So, um, you know, again, when we're talking world stage, it's hard. You got, you got to talk about this, the American, the American boys and, and, and girls out there, the women are coming off a couple of big time wins as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's great to see our, our country as well, going out on the world stage and doing some great things. Indeed. Well, Johnny, it was so great to talk to you again. We're, we're really happy to see Asheville city soccer club back doing what what we all want them to do, which is playing consistent quality soccer, um, whether it be here or on the road. And we're just, uh, happy that you're involved and you're helping some younger players, uh, reach that uh, first team themselves. So thank you. You're welcome back anytime. If there's any updates or anything you ever want us to relay, you just let us know. And you've always got uh, a few minutes here on Steve Sack Syndrome. So, so thanks for that. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I can assure you that it will not be two years before we, we do this again. So um, now thank you guys so much. Um, Y'all have a great evening. And anytime you need me, call me, text me, whatever. I'm happy to join. Talked a lot of sports, but I will admit, yeah, I was uh, at the lake this weekend and uh, did make my family watch a lot of French Open, um, which was entertaining. It was tough. I've talked about how I sure do love Rafael Nadal and uh, just 
really, really don't enjoy when he loses to Novak Djokovic. Yeah. And, uh, he has, you know, maintained a dominance on clay. He has lost to uh, Djokovic one other time at the French Open a bunch of years back, but uh, it did happen again. And I may have words about how I don't always care about some of LeBron, James, mm-hmm. you know, behavior patterns kind of thing. But there's no great athlete that I have a harder time with than Novak Djokovic. I mean, wow. I, I really do think he's the greatest tennis player of all time. It's just unfortunate that that comes wrapped in such a difficult and odd personality. Yeah. I, we, we might need to get your power rankings at some point. Huh? Mm-hmm. Of, <laughs> of who I hate the most. Yes. <laughs> that, um, I would enjoy that tremendously. But the, the Saturday semifinal match w- was uh, quite good, particularly the third set, just back and forth. The level of play on both sides was outstanding. But yeah, I do think Nadal just got a little tired in, in, late in that uh, tiebreaker and then sort of went away um, in, in the fourth set. But already people were like, greatest match ever. I'm like, stop. Yeah. Like one, yeah. it's a semifinal. Yeah. So just by definition, you know, it's it's got to be incredible. And like he won in four sets and two of the sets were not that close. You know, right. uh, Nadal came out easy in the first set, you know, but that third set was one of the best sets of tennis played ever. I, like, I'll go ahead and say that. Um, but Djokovic, yeah. No player is more impressive than Novak Djokovic when he is down 30-40 or he is down like 5-2 in a a tiebreaker. You're like, oh, oh, it's on now. Kind of like, now you're in trouble Uh, because he just gets this level of like, I will make no mistakes. You cannot get any balls past me. And it's, it's just remarkable. It's just remarkable what he's able to do. I think my favorite one, I would go back, it was a 2008 Federer, Nadal, and yeah. Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, that one was just tremendous. And that was the one that, yes, family members who don't particularly enjoy sports or tennis were like, I can't believe this is, no, you you have to keep watching this. This is remarkable. Um yeah, where it's like barely light and they're like sort of squinting through it. Yeah, uh, that that'll probably hold a place. I agree. Me. Yeah, that that for me deserves to be up there with five sets and it was yeah. a reversal of fortune and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the French Open is I've talked about women's tennis a lot. It's just so interesting that men's tennis pretty much has been the same three or four guys yeah. playing in the finals over and over again for like 15 years now. Totally. Granted, uh, it was Djokovic against uh, Zitsipas in the final. Mm-hmm. So glad to see some of the younger gen- generation. But women's tennis, again, particularly the French Open, there's like a final where you have two players. You're like, I've never heard of these players. And yeah. I watch a lot of tennis. <laughs> totally. But did want to give credit to, yeah, uh, Barbara Krakovic. Them or uh, close to that, Krachikova, yeah, Krachikova. Sorry, Krachikova. Um, yes, very impressive. But yes, yeah, so she won uh, the singles and the doubles, um, which yeah. is always impressive. Like no one had done that, I think, in about seven years. And in fact, they were showing that uh, you know people don't often regard doubles as you know as impressive as singles titles, but they count the same. But the number of uh, Grand Slam titles since you know two thousand eight, whatever, was Novak Djokovic. Seven and Barbara yeah. Krakovich, Krakovich, seven. So, Krakova, yeah. 
Uh, this was her first singles, but she has won six doubles titles over the last stretch of years. And wow. that's very impressive. So, yeah, she, it, it was good. You know, three sets uh, back and forth. Um, but it, there is just something about, oh, well, good for these people I've never heard of. Kind of <laughs> yeah. um, but that's just the way often the women's final at the French Open. It, it just tends to be that way because of the conditions and the court and just so many things. Um it, it, we're kind of like the the new narratives like we're seeing in the NBA playoffs. Yes. Um, but uh, entertaining in other words, yeah, some, some good sports going on. Otherwise, uh, uh, you know, the NHL playoffs continue as we're uh, getting down to, uh, you know, a, a, a small, smaller number. Uh, the Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning is a very interesting series. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, and then, uh, yeah, the, the Vegas Golden Knights continue their storybook run as this team that didn't exist five years ago and now have been deep in the playoffs several times. Yeah, and as a Sabres fan, I, I, I like the I like the story, but I'm just like, really, we've been in the league since like 1970 <laughs> and have never won. We've been to like two finals, and this team, which just poof magically appears a couple from the in the desert of all places. <laughs> Um, is like a powerhouse team and it's like how how did you make this look so easy you know so uh i have a tad bit of resentment towards sure them. well they they do put on a good floor show totally thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week